And the little illustration that we have from the Old Testament is really an awesome, awesome plan because we see really more than just a history lesson here. We see what God wants to do in our lives. At that time, God spoke to Joshua. They had crossed into Canaan. They had conquered many lands, uh, many nations there, but there was still much more to conquer. So this whole this whole journey from Egypt, and that's the word that I've had on my heart these past weeks, is that, that we're on a journey. You know, sometimes we talk about, oh, I'm going through a wilderness experience. Oh, this is like a wilderness to me. It's okay to pass through the wilderness, but we don't want to stay there, do we? <laughs> we don't want to stay there. In fact, after Israel had been in the wilderness for about a year or so, God said, listen, they were there at Mount Sinai, and God says, you've been circling this mountain long enough. It's time to go on. Our life as Christians is a journey. And the title that I've given the message last week, and I want to give it this week also, is that God, God has taken us out to take us in. And the language that, for that title is from Deuteronomy 6, verse 23. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 23, it says, He brought us out from thence that he might take us in. And God never just brings us out and leaves us hanging. He has purpose for our lives. And what I like to do is, is see how the same language is echoed in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're just going to read a few verses here. And I want you to see what Peter's talking about. Peter uses the same kind of a language. In fact, he talks about the kingdom of God and talks about an, having an entrance into the kingdom. A lot of Christians, uh, I think, have the general idea that when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it's someplace over in heaven somewhere, and one day in that sweet by and by, we'll get there. But that's not the way Jesus talks about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not just heaven sometime in the future. The kingdom of God, in fact, Jesus said, don't say the kingdom is here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. And how did he teach us to pray in the, in the Lord's Prayer? Can you all say the Lord's Prayer with me? See how well you remember it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy... Ooh, that sounds, sounds like we're some kind of a nominal church here. We do that, right? I don't like that. That's, but it goes on to say, thy, king, thy kingdom, what? Well, I will be, oh, okay. oh boy, on earth as it is in heaven. There you go. So if, if, if we're talking about kingdom way over there somewhere, but we're telling it to come, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The kingdom of God, as Jesus spoke about it through the gospel, through his gospels, and as we see it mentioned by Paul and others, is something that God does inside of us. And he's working that kingdom life into us. And so this whole traveling that... Israel, that the tribes of Israel did. Moses led them out of Egypt through the miracle of the Passover and the blood of the Lamb. He led them through the Red Sea as well, and they came to Mount Sinai, all the instructions God gave there. But the whole purpose of all of this was to bring them to the land of Canaan. And Canaan wasn't a stopping point. Canaan was another new beginning. And what I want you to see here in 2 Peter is this is the kind of thing that Peter talks about. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3, he says this, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. Can you say those two words with me? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
that hath called us to glory and virtue. That, that expression, they're all things. You know, sometimes we make excuses for ourselves and you say, well, you know, that's the way I've been. That's just my character. That's how I am. That's what I be. And, and we kind of make excuses for our behavior when really the Bible says, wait a minute, God has made available to us everything we need to bring us to a place of glory and virtue. Virtue means moral excellence. It means the character of Christ. And as we go on to verse 4, this is what Peter continues to say. In verse 4, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What are the promises for? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And then he goes on. We won't read all these next verses here, but from verse 5 down to verse 8, he talks about Christian character. He talks about the things that God wants to put in our lives. In verse 5, it, ta- it says, add to your faith virtue. It talks about uh, adding temperance or self-control, adding godliness, adding brotherly kindness, and then putting on charity. talks about all these Christian things. In another place, Paul refers to some of that as the, the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that should be growing in us, things that should be in our lives, things that need to be there. Now, one thing you need to understand about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all these Christian characteristics, and that's that you don't put the fruit on a tree. Does anybody here have a fruit tree at home? Anybody have fruit trees? You don't go out there. What kind of fruit tree do you have? A pear. Now, do you go out there and do you hang the pears? They actually come on their own, don't they? Exactly. And, and, and if we as Christians are just hanging fruit on our trees, well, I went to church and pastor says we have to act like this. So we take that fruit and we hang it on our tree. Guess what? It's going to fall off. It's going to fall off. It's not going to last forever. It's not real. But what the, God wants is to do a work inside of us. There's a new nature God puts inside of us that produces that fruit when we allow it to. And so Peter goes on to say, these are things, not that you learn how to do it, but it's 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 this new nature, this new inner man. When you're born again, there's a new spirit within you. And then God wants to fill you with his spirit and cause you to walk in his ways. It's all part of the new covenant that God has, all part of the gospel. You see, when we talk about salvation, again, with the title of my message is, "He, he brought us out. He's taken us out to take us in. And when we talk about salvation, it's not just escaping from something. So often we we, we hear about salvation and the gospel, and the only thing we hear is, he'll rescue you from hell. He'll forgive your sins. And that's where it ends. Well, I'm I'm a Christian. My sins are forgiven. He rescued me from hell. And a lot of us just, a lot of Christians just, kind of look at the church and the gospel as fire insurance. (laughs) See, oh, thank God I don't have to go to hell now. It's not like that. Salvation is much greater than just bringing you out of hell. First of all, that's a great miracle in itself, isn't it? What does David say in Psalms? He says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, for thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. 
But the thing is, is that it's salvation not just from something, but salvation unto something. God, that, that salvation that God has is not only just bringing us out of sin, but it's a transformation work that he wants to do in our lives. That fruit of the Spirit, all of that needs to grow in us. And it's not a matter of us, you know, squeezing, you know, squeeze the tree. So the, I mean, you can imagine, squeeze that pear tree and ugh, see if I can get a pear to pop out. <laughs> that doesn't work like that. You see, that life is there. But there are things that can hinder the growth. And this is what Peter's saying. He says, listen, there's a lot of Christian characteristics here. There's knowledge and temperance and patience. And how many want a little bit more patience? No, nobody? You're all, you're all, you're the most patient. You're sitting here during, during this message. You must be very patient people. I can see that right away. Self-control. Anybody want a little bit of self-control? How about brotherly love? How about God's love, charity or agape love? Well, these are all things the Bible says are, should be not only in our lives, but abounding. See, look in, in verse 8, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, see, these are growing things. This is a growing experience. That's why, like God told Joshua, there is more land. Even though you're old and stricken in years, Joshua, you're getting kind of old and got arthritis everywhere, but doesn't matter. There's more land to conquer. Get up, Joshua. There's more. Things need to continue growing. One sign of life is that there's growth. Anybody agree with me? Yeah, there's a growth. Okay, sometimes we grow this way instead of, you know, the, but there's still growth, you see. Uh, so that he says, if these things be in you, this is verse 8. Yeah, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 9, this is the verse I wanted to bring you to here. In verse 9, and again, this is that language he brought, you know, he, 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 he wants to do something in our lives. He says this, if we lack these things, he that lacketh these things is blind or has vision problems, and he can't see far off, and he hath forgotten that he was purged or cleansed or forgiven of his former sins. So look at that verse just for a second there, and what I want to give you is two points today. Two points to understand, because I don't know about uh, how you feel. Maybe, maybe you're happy. Maybe you're happy, you know, sitting in Egypt. It's just, it's wonderful. You know, it's amazing. The Israelites, you know, they, they, as, they, as they journeyed in the wilderness and they had all kinds of things going on here, they had miracles take place. You know the stories, right? How did God feed the multitudes there? Manna came down out of the sky. It was there every day for the 40 years they were here. Manna every single morning. How did they drink? Where did they get their... This is a, this wilderness is not like a wilderness with trees and like a... That, wilderness means desert. Where did they get their water from? Who remembers? Anybody know? A rock? What kind of rock was that? And you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 10? It says, the rock that followed them was Christ. Oh, that's amazing, right? See, our Catholic friends thinks, think that Peter is the rock, but it's Jesus. He's the foundation. But it, goes, it says here that, that the rock followed them. There was water that came out of the rock. Not only that, but one time they complained he didn't have enough meat. So you know what the Lord did? He made a whole bunch of quails come and fall all over the camp, and they had meat for a whole month. 
That's pretty good. And without even shooting them down, they just fell on their own. <laughs> God provided for them. He says, your shoe didn't even wear out. For 40 years, their shoes didn't even... I don't know how that works. Mine wore out after a couple of years. Theirs lasted for 40 years, it says. Read it in Deuteronomy. And all that God did, the miracles back here, how he, the, the, the plagues that came and how he preserved his people, the miracle of the Red Sea. Not only that, but there was a cloud by day that was, went with them everywhere. They followed that cloud. That cloud protected them from the sun at day, and it was a fire at night. They had all of those things. And yet, with all that provision, with all the miracles, with all the great things God was doing for them, when they had a little bit of a problem, the first thing they did is began to what? Complain. Now, does anybody have a problem with complaining here? You don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody complain once in a while? Yeah. Well, that they complained. Oh, they complained, and they, com- and they said, oh, it was better if we were back in Egypt. I mean, at least back there we had leeks and garlics and cucumbers. I don't know. That doesn't sound very good to me. But that's what they were thinking about. Oh, okay, we go back to Egypt. And sometimes we just think, well, you know, I'm good where I'm at. I don't need to be, I don't need my feathers ruffled. I'm, I'm happy right where I'm at. I don't need, you know, to be pushed on. I'm, you know, I'm in church now. I go to church. I, you know, I pay my tithes. I do good things. And I'm not bothering people, so just leave me alone. But that's not what it's all about. Joshua, you're old and stricken in years, and there's more land to be conquered. So what Peter is saying here is he's saying, listen, if, if, something's, if these things are not growing in your life, if these characteristics, this Christ-like nature, this nature of Christ is not growing and abounding in your life, then there's two reasons. And these are the two points I want to give you today. The first point, can we put verse, uh, what was that, verse, uh, verse 9? Can we put verse 9 back up there again? The first point is this, that we have vision problems. In other words, we don't know where to go, or maybe we don't know that God wants us to go there. Maybe we don't realize where God wants to take us, or maybe we know he wants to take us there, and we say, oh, no, I can't be like that. That's just for, that's just for pastors and missionaries. I can't act like that. I'm, you know, I'm just an average Christian. I have all my problems, and I have my ways of doing things, but, but uh, you know, Bible says he wants us to be changed. He wants us to be changed, and can he do it? Do you think he can change us? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. He's given us so much through the gospel, through what Christ did. What Christ did on the cross wasn't just provide forgiveness. You know, back here, when the Passover took place, they put the blood on the doors. And the blood protected them from death. But they also had to eat the lamb. And the lamb was for their journey. I shared that last week. All of Christ. God has given us more than, more than just forgiveness of sins. He's provided an abundance for us so that we can grow and all these things can grow in our lives. Does that sound good to you? Does that sound good to you? He wants to change us. So Peter says this, is that if these things aren't grown, maybe it's because we lost our way. Maybe... We've got our eyes back on Egypt, and Egypt is starting to look pretty again to us. We're looking the wrong way, or we don't realize God can do it. But the second point, he can't see far off. The second point is, forgotten that his sins were forgiven. When you realize, when we realize 
how much we've been forgiven. How many here are born again? Raise your hand. You're born again today? Do you know your sins are washed away? Do you know your sins are washed away? You know, today uh, is the 4th of July. I'm excited because in, in two days, in two days, I celebrate my birthday. Not my birthday of my physical body, but my spiritual birthday. 1976, July 6th, Jesus Christ came into my life. That night, I knew I was a child of God. It was a real experience for me. And it wasn't just entering into a new kind of a religion. Jesus came into me, came into my life. I knew my sins were forgiven, and that's my spiritual birthday. And it's my day of independence. It's my 6th of July celebration of independence. But realizing what he's forgiven us of, realizing how much he has forgiven us. In fact, that's what this is all about. For the Israelites, when the, the Passover was an event, it was an event where they were delivered from the angel of death and they were able to continue on and the purpose that God had for them. It was an event, but they had to celebrate it. It became a yearly celebration where they would remember. They would eat. They would go out and get a lamb again, and they'd remember what happened on that day. They would celebrate that. And uh, unfortunately, for the 40 years they were in the wilderness, they didn't celebrate it. They kept thinking, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back because they forgot what God had done for them. The moment we forget what God has done for us, where he brought us from, then all of a sudden our life becomes stagnant and the growth that God is requiring from us becomes lacking or insufficient. And so what he wants to do and, and what we'd like to do today is remember, that's what this, uh, the communion service is all about, is where we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. How much he's forgiven us. I want us, if we can to look at a couple of verses here uh, as to what God does with our sins. You know, if I can, maybe I can uh, illustrate this a little bit here. Let's see. I wish I had a volunteer, but that's all right. I'll pretend. Or there's my... Oh, good, my daughter's here. I can always use her. All right, Abigail, you're coming to the... Oh, stand right there. You're coming before the judgment seat. And there is someone who has been writing down everything you've been doing. It's looking pretty bad here. How many know God has books in heaven? Right? How many know everything we say, everything we do, every word out of our mouth is written down? The book of Revelation said there's books, scrolls or books or whatever they are, computer panels, I don't know what they are up there, but... Everything's written down. And here's the funny thing. Here's the interesting thing about it, that there's one who has this list in his hand as it's being written in there, and he stands right there also. You can see him in the book of Job, and he stands there to accuse us. Aha, I saw what you did last night. I saw this. And he says, did you see what she did? She did so. And he's called the accuser of the brethren. Do you know what his name is? What's his name? Satan, that's right. Thank God there's someone else standing before God. What's his name? Oh, come on. What's his name? 
Ah. So there's a list of things. And I'd like to take you, first of all, to Colossians 2. Oh, don't go away, Abigail. You've got to stay right there. All right. And Colossians chapter 2, you see, this handwriting of things, this is all this stuff that, all this stuff that she's done, it's a lot of stuff on here. It looks pretty bad. And not only one paper, but there's two papers. She's done all this stuff. That's a lot. And I should know I'm her dad, right? So all this stuff that's been done. In Colossians 2, in verse 13, when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins. Took our sins, all of them, when Jesus died on the cross. And it says this, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What Jesus did on the cross was to take the punishment for sin for us so he can provide forgiveness. But I want to show you how the Bible describes what God does with our sins. Having forgiven you all trespasses, verse 14. Can we go to chapter 2, verse 14? There we go. I want you to read this with me. I want to show you the first thing that God does with these sins, okay? What does it say? Read it with me. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So what did he do? What did he do with all of our sins? And we're talking about he knows everything. Can you say amen to that? He knows everything. It's all, everything's all there. Everything's open and bare before him with whom we have to do, the Bible says. All these things. What did Jesus do? Here, these are your things. This is all the stuff that you did. What did Jesus do? The moment she says, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross in my place. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. Jesus, wash me in your blood. The moment you do that, the moment you did that, he takes those sins. And what does he do with them? What's the first thing it says he does? See, it says handwriting of ordinances. What's he do with it? He blots it out. He erases it, in other words. And then what does he do? What does he do next? Nails it to the cross. He blots it out, nails it to the cross. And then look with me in Isaiah 38, verse 17. You can sit down. Isaiah 38, verse 17. We've already taken away your sins, Abigail. You're, you're not in trouble anymore. Isaiah 38 and verse 17, beautiful words that uh, King Hezekiah speaks uh, in a time of crisis in his life, a time of repentance, a time of crying out to God. This is what he says. This is verse 17. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness because he had went through a a real circumstance where he came face to face with death and uh, all of a sudden he's getting things right in his life. And he said, for peace I had great bitterness but thou, oh, can you read this with me? This is, these are beautiful words. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. So what does he do with your sins? After he, after he blots it out, nails it to the cross, what does he do next? He casts all, his, all of our sins behind his back. What's that mean? If it's behind my back, I don't know where it went, do I? 
He cast our sins behind his back. Think about that. Look with me in Psalms 103. Let's look at a third thing that happens with those sins. I want to show you how far God can throw. How far do you think God can throw? Think about it. Here's some some dimensions for you to try to calculate, okay? Psalms 103 and verse 12. Read this with me. This is the psalm that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. And he tells all the benefits in this psalm. How far can God throw? Let's read this together. Can you do that with me? As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, how anybody here can calculate more or less how far the east is from the west? In other words, if you start going east... Does that all of a sudden become west? No. <laughs> you keep going east. It's, if you think about it, it's infinitely. It's an infinite distance as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. How many think God has a pretty good pitching arm? Yeah, yeah. Boy, I'd like to have him on our baseball team, huh? That'd be great. Let's look at one more, a final thought. What does God do with our sins? Well, the first thing he does, we're going to look at Micah 7, verse 19. Micah 7, verse 19. Can anybody find Micah? Thank God for technology, right? Don't have to worry about where it's at in the Bible. Micah 7, verse 19. Let's read this together also. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So let's go over these points again just to get an idea of what kind of forgiveness has been provided for us. First of all, he takes the handwriting of ordinances, he blots it out, nails it to the cross. Then what does he do? Who remembers? What does he do with it next? Throws it behind his back. How far does he throw it? As far as the east is from the west. And where does it end up? The depths of the sea. And someone said, uh, and he puts up a no fishing sign. You've probably heard that before, right? That's old. But he's forgiven us. And understanding how much we've been forgiven. This is what the Israelites got confused on. They forgot what God brought them out of. Isaiah 51 says, if you're going to pursue righteousness, if you're going to go on with the Lord, you better look back to the rock from which you were dug. We need to find out what that pit was, how far, what he brought us out of, and remember that. Remember what he's done in our lives, how much he's forgiven us. How many can love the Lord today? How much he's forgiven us. One of the parables Jesus tells is about a king who had a servant who owed him some money. That's in Matthew 18. And this servant owed just a little bit, 10,000 talents, which I think works out to be about $100 million. That's a big debt. A little bit hard to pay that off. And when the king came to that servant and said, you know, you owe some money, where is it at? The servant fell down. And he said, I'll pay you back. I will. I'll do all my... It was impossible for him to pay him back. And yet, that's what you and I try to do as Christians sometimes. We think that somehow we can please God by works, by things that we do. 
or we can obtain favor because we're doing good things now. It doesn't work like that with God. And we live like that, we'll be as miserable as that servant was because the very thing that servant began to do was to demand things from other people. When we don't realize how much we've been forgiven. See, the king told him, no, I'm going to forgive your entire debt. And he did. But then that servant went to a fellow servant and said, you owe me a few pennies and you better pay up. I'm going to throw you in jail until you pay me back. The king heard about it. He was very upset. The Lord wants to help us understand how much we are in debt to him. Can you you say, I'm in debt to Jesus? Just say that a couple times. I'm in debt to Jesus. When we realize the depths of hell that he lifted us out of, the forgiveness of sins, what he's done, how he's forgiven us completely, sometimes we need to take a bit of time to come to the cross and just take time there and remember, he died for me. He died for me. I was that wicked. I was that much of a sinner that the only solution was for Jesus, the Son of God, to die. As we look at the truth of the cross and what he did, we also see the truth of who we are and what we were. But then we can understand what a great forgiveness we've received. Can you say amen to that? We're going to celebrate the Lord's table. And let's ask the ushers to come forward. And we're going to sing a song uh, as once we uh, pray here and take a bit of time. But um, I want you just to think for a minute. This is what this is all about. The Lord's table is a celebration, just like the Israelites celebrated Passover to remember their deliverance out of Egypt. This is a celebration for us also. And remembering, just like we, uh, this nation celebrates the 4th of July as its day of uh, remembering the, the, how they became an independent nation. Well, God has provided us the greatest freedom of all. The greatest freedom of all. This country was founded on principles that men of God who knew the freedom they had in Christ, they were able to put that into writing for us to see this nation be what it is. How we need to pray for this country that we can come back to some of those standards once again. But let's celebrate today. Um, Celebrate the Lord's table. We have, Jesus said in the very night that he took bread, he was together with his disciples And he told them uh, it was going to be the last time he was going to eat with them before he, then the next time they would eat together would be in, uh, in heaven itself, in that final feast. But he took the bread and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. That's what this bread represents. He said, uh, Paul says that he received revelation that, that we're doing this in remembrance now of him, of his body that was broken. Oh, if God can just bring us to the cross, God can just open up our eyes to see that cross, to see that it was our sins placed on Christ that crushed him there. The body is broken for us. Take and eat. Father, we thank you for just blessing these elements. The cup as well, Lord. These two elements, Lord, the cup and the bread. Jesus, you took the cup in your hand. You said this is the new covenant in your blood. And as we drink of this, Lord, we're remembering the blood you poured out to bring us into your family, Lord.
Bless these elements. Bless this time. Let it be a time when our hearts are drawn to the cross like never before. We can remember where you brought us from so we can see more clearly where you're taking us, Father. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. We have a song we're going to sing as we partake of this. called, oh, lead me, lead me to the place where we first met Christ at the cross. Bring us to our knees, Lord. That would be number five up there. Yes, Jesus. Thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord. Come to the cross as you partake of the bread and as we partake of the cup now. Let him draw you. Remember where he brought you from. Remember why we're here. a blessing in this cup as we remember the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First met, draw me to my knees so we can talk. Let me feel your breath. Let me know you're here with me. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lead me. Sing it with me if you can. Follow the words. The place. Where violence find you, lead me, Lord Jesus. Oh, lead me to the place where you'll be. Lead me to the cross, Lord. Lead me to the cross where we first met. Tell me to my knees. Let me feel your breath. Let me know I'm here with me. Yes, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. His presence is here. Sing from your heart and ask the Lord to bring you. Lead me, Lord Jesus. To the place where I find you. Oh, lead me to the place where you be. Let me to the cross where we first met. Draw me to your knees so we can... Let's all stand, shall we? Let me feel your breath. Let me know you're here with me. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Oh, the Lord's good. The Lord's presence is here. Just lift up your hands and worship him right now. There's another song we're going to sing in just a moment, but a celebration song of his love, what he's done for us. But lift up your hands and just thank him from where he brought you from, remembering where he took you out of, remembering the, 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 the slavery in Egypt, so to speak, that we were in. He took us out of there through the blood of the Lamb, through his mighty hand. He lifted you. He drew you. Somehow he brought you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. And Father, if there's anyone here that has not yet acknowledged you as Savior, Lord, today, bring them to the cross. Let them see what you've done, Lord. Let them see what you can do, Lord, and let them surrender their hearts to you as well, O oh God. That this would be a day of independence for them, a day of fresh freedom you have for them, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name. Give my Lord a clap offering. And before we go, I want to do the next song. Because of your love. And I want us to, I want us to rejoice. This is a celebration and, and remembering what God has done for us. Because of your love. That's the name of the song. Because of your love. That's, you can clap your hands now. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come into your presence and remember all the blessing that you pour out so freely from above. Yes, Lord. Lifting gratitude and praises. For compassion, oh, amazing. Lord, we come to give you thanks for all you've done. I'll sing it out. Because of your love, Lord. Because of your love, we're forgiven. Because of your love. Because of your love, our hearts are clean. They lift you up with songs of freedom. With songs of freedom, forever we're changed, yes, because of your love, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
into your presence. We remember every blessing that you poured out so freely from above. Lifting gratitude and praises for compassion so amazing. Lord, we've come to live you thanks for all you've done with all of our heart because of your love, Lord. Because of your love, I will forgive and because of your love, because of your love, our hearts are cleaning. We can lift you up with songs of freedom, the songs of freedom forever we're changed. Forever we're changed because, because of your love. Thank you, Lord. Your love. We're forgiven. We're forgiven because of your love. Because of your love, our hearts are clean. Our hearts are clean. We lift you up, Lord. We lift you up with songs of freedom. Forever we're changed because of your love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of your love, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today. We remember what you've done for us. We remember the cross. We remember the power and the blood. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for enlightening our eyes, not only of what you've done for us, but what your your word tells us you're going to do. Lord, you brought us out to take us in. The good work you're beginning in each of our lives. You are going to perfect it until the day of Christ. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day of freedom in Christ.